When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So the other day, I received an email from one of my supporters over on Patreon, a guy by the name of Lawrence from the UK. And, you know, this email, basically, he was sharing an article with me from a website called Bullion Vault. And I'll actually put a link in the description to this actual article. Uh, But basically, you know, the gist of it, one of the major points of this article was in regards to silver supply and demand. Basically, they were saying that, you know, those that are listening to to talking heads, pundits in, in the precious metal space should not listen to those that talk about silver being in or near some sort of a physical shortage. And, you know, reading through their reasoning, I'll have to say that that given our current situation in the silver market, I found it hard to disagree with just about anything in the, in, in the article regarding uh, any potential for a shortage in the near, near term. And yet... You know, when it comes to silver and, and why uh, I, I choose to buy it, why I choose to talk so much about it, you know, a lot of it comes down to uh, it, it being a hedge, a, a way to hedge, a way to bet against uh, failed monetary policy, failed fiscal policy, bet against a massive bubble of a stock market, a real estate market, a, a bond market, right? It's a bet against all those things. And yet, uh, part of my bull case for silver also goes back to the supply and demand picture. And shortage, the word shortage, is a term that I've used in the past to describe where the silver market could find itself in the future. Now, to begin, I want to be clear that, generally speaking, when I bring up the word shortage, I'm talking about a an acute shortage. Not a shortage that lasts years or decades or anything like that. It's something that would be resolved you know, over a period of weeks to maybe months. And yet... We know that when it comes to physical commodities, those types of shortages can send the price uh, very, very high. We've seen it time and time again in different uh, physical markets, whether it's energy markets or, or other metal markets, etc. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today, some different thoughts on this this potential shortage. Again, you know, the first one to keep in mind is that it would be acute. Second of all, we're not in a shortage right now, and, and we likely won't be in the near term. And yet... You know, what is it ultimately that will lead to a shortage in the silver market? It's It really comes down to supply and demand, right? Either you have something that significantly increases demand, you have something that significantly decreases supply coming onto the market, or both. You know, ideally you'd have both of those things happen at once. Now I want to talk about a couple different uh, very plausible potentially even likely events that we could see happen in the future that could totally disrupt the physical silver market, turn it on its head, and, and could lead to, to very high prices. Now, of course, keep in mind that you know a physical shortage is not a prerequisite for silver to go higher. No, as I said, it's a bet against failed monetary policy, fiscal policy, a bet against the stock market, uh, bond market, etc. Same thing goes for the gold market. Um, and yet, you know, the shortage does lend itself to a huge potential in the uh, in a rise in the price uh, the value the purchasing power of 
physical silver. And so first of all, the first one on my list, and this is something that's been talked about a lot by me and by many others, is a huge move uh, in investment funds towards silver. And this is something I'll actually be making a video on in the future. You know, the next major wave of, of this physical silver buying, what I'm referring to right here, you know, who is it coming from? And, and you know, it's it's hard to say that it's just going to be from one group of people. I mean, you have people like you and I, stackers, or, or just other individuals that, that buy the physical metal uh, and, and keep it in their own possession. This might be people in, in, in you know, quote-unquote, Western world, U.S., you know, Western Europe, etc. But also places like India or even China, you know, that falls in that category. But then you also have things like institutional buyers um, or or even you know government buyers of, of physical silver and you know when the, the thing about silver this is something I've, I've made a video on in the past but I'll probably actually make a new one uh, maybe a better one here in the future how much physical silver is this is really important here so listen to this bit how much physical silver is there in the world right now I'm talking about identifiable investable relatively liquid physical silver. I'm not talking about silver in a landfill, silver that hasn't been mined yet. I'm talking about coins and bars. And maybe you could add things like certain types of jewelry or whatever to it. How much is there in the world? Well, you know, I did a video on this in the past and, you know, my my very generous estimate, you know, at the high end of, of the ranges of how much silver I would guess is is sitting above the ground. And this can be in, in government inventories, exchange inventories, uh, back in things like the SLV, in custodian accounts, and of course, in people's houses and whatnot. And of course, we're going to assume that all that silver that's supposedly back in SLV, the comics, etc., is actually there. If we're extremely you know, liberal or con- uh, generous with these estimates, we're talking maybe 10 billion ounces. And it very well could be half that. It could be less than half of that. And so to put that in perspective, we're talking, um, you know, in the ballpark of maybe an ounce per person on, on the face of the planet. Maybe more, maybe less, but certainly not something like five or ten or anything like that. No, there's just not that much physical silver. And in fact, you know, there's this notion in many people's heads that silver is is more rare than gold. And when you look at how much is mined out of the ground and whatnot, that is is true. But when you look at identifiable investment forms of of silver and gold, uh, they're not that different. I mean, gold is is over 80 times more expensive than silver, and yet they're comparable in terms of how much above ground gold there is. Again, it's hard to put numbers on these, but again, it's similar to you know the ballpark of one ounce if not even more, per person. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but in the same ballpark. And so imagine the potential that that relatively small silver market, even if we go with the 10 billion ounces of silver at current prices, that's around like $160 billion. It sounds like a lot, but when you consider the massive size of the the, the world debt markets, you know, bond markets, uh, corporate debt markets, etc., the size of the world stock markets, the size of the world's real estate markets, the size of the world's central bank's balance sheets, even the Fed, which is, I think, currently over $4 trillion. You know, it's massive compared to to the silver market. And of course, just the size of overall money in the system. It's, It's tiny, right? It's tiny even compared to the gold market, right? And so even if you have uh, 0.1%, even 0.01% of, of all that wealth, mostly paper wealth, moving into a physical metal like silver, the, 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 the potential is 
very, very high. I mean, to put that in perspective, 1%, that's $1 for every 100. 0.1%, that's $1 for every 1,000. 0.01%, we're talking $1 for every $10,000 of you know, various forms of wealth out there moving into uh, physical silver. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge potential. And, and all of that physical silver, uh, presumably not all of it would be sold, but even if just a tenth of it, uh, half of it was somehow came onto the market, the demand would still far outpace that. Right, and so that's just one, you know, potential situation. You know, the other side of it is, of course, uh, the the supply side coming onto the market. You know, people often talk about how how you know it, it doesn't matter a ton where the price of silver goes because, uh, in terms of production, well, you know, primary silver mines are important, but if they run at a loss, that's fine because most of the silver that comes out of the ground is uh, mined as a byproduct. Now that's. That's only partly true because, you know, if, if you are, if the price of silver is under the cost of production of, of let's say, half of, of all the primary silver miners out there and, and they ultimately stop mining it, uh, the price is going to come up pretty quick because that's that's still a pretty considerable piece of the overall supply in the market. Um, but, but they do make a good point. I mean, that's, they're right in saying that a good portion, something like 70% of silver supply coming onto the market comes from byproduct mines. I'm talking primarily lead, zinc, copper, and gold. And yet I see a huge vulnerability for the silver market in that right there. Because what happens if we have some sort of a global economic slowdown? You know, you'd be correct to say that, yes, industrial demand for silver would likely drop off. People are going to be building fewer uh, pieces of real estate, buying fewer houses, buying fewer cars, etc. So industrial demand, yes, would likely fall. But of course, we can also argue the merits of, of, of I guess, the whole argument that de- investment demand would go up as industrial demand would fall. Uh, but what about the supply side? You got, you got to remember that silver gets demand from, from both the industrial as well as the investment side of it, whereas three of those four other metals that I talked about, lead, zinc, and copper, those are almost primarily industrial metals. And so what happens if you know the, the global economy uh, goes into to deep contraction mode, deep uh, recession mode? Uh, well, you're going to have a massive decrease in demand for those metals, potentially while demand, overall demand for silver is increasing. And so those mines will decrease production of those primary metals and thus decrease production of silver as a byproduct, meaning you could have a situation where you have what I was just talking about, a massive amount of paper wealth pouring into the physical silver market. People catching on that, hey, silver is the place to be, gold is the place to be because we want to to uh, uh, short the system, as, as I think Chris Irons would say from, from Quoth the Raven Research. Uh, and that could be coinciding with an event where you have actually significantly falling supply coming onto the market because primary miners just can't keep up and, and the byproduct uh, supply coming onto the market for silver is falling significantly. You know, the other one that that really comes to mind for for the silver market would be uh, disruption of of, uh, economies around the world. They're disruptions of of societies, countries. You know, look at a country like Venezuela. You know, what is the one big export that Venezuela uh, can boast basically about for for most of their last couple decades? Of course, it's their oil market. Uh, They're they're a huge exporter of oil. Um, It's not great oil. 
you know, compared to some other places. But they do have potentially the largest identifiable gold uh, oil reserves uh, in in the world, right? Now, imagine if what's happened in Venezuela right now, or what happened to Libya, uh, you know, roughly what eight years ago, seven years ago, with their huge drop off in oil supply. Imagine if something like that happened to a country like Mexico or Peru, you know, two of the larger uh, silver producers around the world. What if supply coming onto the market from Mexico decreases by, say, 50% over a span of five years? You know, we're talking, I think, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I want to say Mexico silver production is like over 200 million ounces. Right, and so we're talking about a potentially a ten percent drop in the overall supply coming onto the market. What is that going to do to the price of silver? And and I mean, let's be honest: is Mexico in all that better a position than than Venezuela? Um, maybe their government isn't as socialist as, as Venezuela is. Maybe they don't. Uh, they haven't really drawn the ire of of the U.S. government. Uh, maybe they don't. Yeah, I was going to say maybe they don't have as much corruption, but they likely do, you know, but they have plenty of their own problems. And, and, you know, with, with a global recession, you could see it hit a place like Mexico much, much harder than maybe some other countries around the world. And so that's the type of thing that we have to keep in mind as well. And it's just not, it's not just Mexico or Peru, you know, there's some other uh, large silver producing countries that are, are hardly uh, stable, um, you know, maybe maybe in the same ballpark of where Venezuela was, you know, five years ago. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. But the the big thing to keep in mind is that everything that I just you know this I, I could go on and on. I've already gone for almost fifteen minutes here talking about this. I can go on and on. The big takeaway from this is not having your heart set on this huge demand coming into the silver market. It's not having your heart set on on Mexico's society and economy collapsing or uh, the overall global economy collapsing and, and having silver. You know, the whole supply and demand picture for silver, that's not the big takeaway from this. The big takeaway from this is that those are added bonuses that are well within the realm of possibility, perhaps even likely to happen. You know, there's a greater than 50% chance of that happening in the next 5, 10 years. But even without those things, the case for silver is so strong because like I said, uh, monetary policy, fiscal policy, the bubble that the world's stock markets, bond markets, uh, uh, real estate markets, etc., are in, uh, those are ultimately going to fall. They're going to fail. They're going to pop. And so, where does you know where does that leave the global economy? Where does that leave global governments and central banks? Uh, silver and gold ultimately are are a bet against that, albeit. A very safe one, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't feel as though I'm gambling when I buy silver. Maybe that's a different case if I were to buy a, a, a put option on the S&P or if I were to um, otherwise bet on, on on the whole thing coming crashing down. Where silver and gold, I feel very comfortable that it is a safe choice because A, it's going to keep up with inflation. B, it's got a huge potential for what I'm talking about here, this bull case based on the supply and demand aspect of, of silver, uh, the, the, you know, what's going to happen in the future. 
and C, I have very little confidence in central banks and governments in, in managing what is becoming an ever-increasing uh, problem. You know, you, you look at, at the Fed. I mean, they haven't been able to get their monetary policy close, even close to where it was prior to the Great Recession. The ECB, they just recently, in the European Central Bank, they just recently stopped their QE program. It's, it's doubtful that they'll be able to raise rates at all, maybe like a quarter percentage point. The Bank of Japan, they haven't even stopped their QE program yet. I mean, this is... And already, you know, the global economy is looking like it's going to roll over. And so what are they going to do at that point? I mean, you're going to see the Fed probably go to zero, maybe even lower in interest rates. You're going to see them blow up their balance sheet. But, but what, what is the ECB going to do? What is the Bank of Japan going to do? What is People's Bank of China, the Bank of England? What are those central banks going to do in that situation? You're going to see massive easing. And maybe stocks like it at first. Maybe they like it for a period of years. You know, this stuff that I'm talking about, it doesn't have to play out in the next 12 or, or 24 months. But over the long term, it's, it's a pretty bleak picture for, for fiat currencies, for the stability of markets, for stability of, of societies, honestly. Uh, so, you know, this is just something to keep in mind. Uh, th- this whole uh, shortage talk for the silver market, uh, it's it's more realistic than one would think, right? You, you'll, you'll get the mainstream analysis from mainstream outlets or maybe even some YouTubers out here talking about how shortages are extremely unlikely and all that. But but when you really put the math to it, whether we're talking about how much money could flow into the silver market or, or how quickly I think it would impact the price of silver if supply declined by uh, 5% or 10% in a short amount of time, uh, it's pretty clear that it's well within the realm of possibility, uh, and and it's something to keep your eyes on. You know, I talk about silver and gold as, as being such great assets to own. Uh, obviously, don't take any of this as investment advice. Uh, they, they are great. I think gold's undervalued. I think silver is even more undervalued. Um, and yet, you know, I think there's going to be a point in the future where both metals are going to be overvalued. Does that mean I'm going to sell all my silver in the future? No, it's pretty unlikely. But would I consider selling some of it? for something that I saw as undervalued, whether that's land, real estate, hey, even, you know, the stock market, if it if it was undervalued enough. Well, you know, that that's something that you have to, I guess, be prepared for. Even though we're talking about gold just above 1300 silver struggling to stay in the $16 range, there's going to be a time where you're going to realize, hey, these metals that, that, that were hated for so long, uh, they might be in a bubble. You know, maybe it's time to consider selling some. Maybe consider selling some of your silver for gold, or or some of of both for for land or real estate or stocks or something else um, that 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 you see as as being undervalued and and see as having a, a solid future. So I hope I hope you enjoy these types of talks. Uh, this is just a very rough outline that I'm going on in my head. I'm not writing anything down really either, uh, but. I do want to hear your feedback on this and also just your thoughts on a shortage on the supply and demand picture. Does it matter when you have a paper market that can decide the price of silver? Let me know down below in the comment section. As always, I'd like to thank every one of you, even people that don't enjoy my work, from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.